the growth of small businesses has actually increased in the last 12 months mm. by almost half a million. Mm. In the London area alone, there's 1.8 million small businesses. Welcome to Careers in Fashion. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's Careers in Fashion podcast. My name is Elaine. So I'm from the Careers team um, at London College of Fashion. Along with Tahina. Tahina, and I'm in the careers team as well, um, obviously supporting students um, in terms of um, industry engagement and also providing tutorials or one-to-one advice. And this week we're going to be looking at how to finance your business. So, thank you all for attending today. Um, I think what would be a good thing is probably... Um, introduce yourself, so introducing the Federation of Small Businesses um, and talk about yourself. Um, my name is Rachel Barron, I'm a self-employed membership advisor for the Federation of Small Businesses, um, also known as FSB. Yeah. Um, we, in brief, are a not-for-profit lobbying organisation um, that campaign on behalf of small business owners, so you may regularly here as mentioned on the news. The MPs do like to name drop us for good reasons um, and thank us, thank us really for the work that we do on behalf of small businesses. Um, but to do all the campaigning and lobbying we obviously need money, hence why it's more of a membership organisation but we're owned by our members, for our members. Um, but in return we say thank you to them by giving them lots of amazing um, benefits that we've gone and secured for them, a lot of them being free preferential rates um, that they can tap into as and when they need, um, whether it's starting up their businesses, established or um, businesses that have been running for quite a while. And that can be anything from freelancers, sole traders, mm-hmm. all the way through to maximum of 249 employees, believe it or not, wow. which most of us wouldn't think of as a small business. But it is. <laughs> yes. And how long have you been working for FSB? I've actually been there for three months, mm-hmm. so not that long. It's one of those, I, I wouldn't say I fell into the, the role, mm-hmm. um, but I was leaving a previous job because I've always been employed, but I'm also a landlord, so I'm mm-hmm. a small business owner myself, um, and hadn't really thought about it because I was one of those landlords that accidentally mm-hmm. became one. Um, and it was only when I was looking at different opportunities in regards to that that I stumbled across um, FSB and then they happened to be looking for membership advisors in the area and thought, you know what, I don't want to work for anybody anymore, I don't want to manage people anymore, let's give it a go. Brilliant. And the rest is history as they say. Yeah. So yeah, now I'm out there helping small businesses, up, small businesses and really looking after small business owners. Yeah. Because if you look after the owner, that looks after their business. Yeah. Um, and what you find, and you've probably found already, is a lot of entrepreneurs don't just own one, one business. Mm. They can sometimes own two, three, four, fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They're coming up with ideas all over the place. Exactly. What about yourself, Roger? Um, so, my name's Roger Naran. I'm the regional sales manager for the FSB. Um, I cover the London region, so all 33 boroughs. Um, I've been with the FSB just under two years, mm-hmm. um, came on board previously, used to be with the Royal Bank of Scotland doing consultancy, which is where I came about uh, the FSB. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my role is to really support uh, uh, Rachel here and my other membership advisors across the London region. Uh, it's also to interact with all 33 boroughs, uh, doing networking events, master classes, um, really just trying to keep the community. Um, FSB is a membership, it's actually more of a membership for entrepreneurs as opposed to just business owners. Uh, as Rachel mentioned, multiple businesses under one person tends to be the norm these days. Uh, kitchen tables tend to be the office. <laughs> so, you know, our, our, our outlook out there is really very, very different to what it used to be. Uh, so my role is really to support in the recruitment of new members, support the members after they've joined, um, and really work with the councils to be able to support their constituents within their each their local councils. Uh, that's me. Thank you. And Johnny? Hi there. Yeah, I'm Johnny Martin. I'm the entrepreneur in residence at one of the university's colleges, mm -hmm. the London College of Fashion. Mm -hmm. So my role here is very much doing one-to-ones, mm -hmm. mentoring, mm -hmm. uh, part of a team, student enterprise team. So we organise competitions, business plan competitions. And it's really just, I mean, my role is really getting the students to start thinking about the financial side of their business. Uh, it's all very well being excited about the creative aspects, but I, I try and encourage them to take a, a leaf from Ikea's book. Yes. They start with the price yes. and then they work backwards. So that, that's that's my, my role here. Fantastic. So um, a key thing is like, what is the current environment startups are experiencing generally? More to do with like the challenges or the model of startups, you know? Um. Yeah, as I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, the, the micro business is, is really the buzzword at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, people have started to go into business on their own, come up with their own ideas, um, and then predominantly started looking at funding as the last uh, ditch attempt, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, what we've really encountered a lot of um, is actually going the opposite way. Mm -hmm. HMRC give funding support uh, for startups, which is uh, given in rebate and cash. Mm -hmm. So there is some massive incentives out there yeah. for, for businesses. It's about tapping out, it's about information. And I think, unfortunately, with the current climate at the moment, mm -hmm. politically, yeah. very, very uncertain in all times. Mm -hmm. One thing that hasn't changed though, businesses still need to run, mm. bills need to be paid, yeah. and people still have a, a, an, an urge and a want to, to create something. Yeah. So the, the growth of small businesses has actually increased in the last 12 months mm. by almost half a million. Mm. Um, in the London area alone, there's 1.8 million small businesses. Um, and that was 1.2 million about 18 months ago. So that's grown massively. Do you think it's because the government did an announcement regarding the, the additional support to rise small businesses in the UK. Absolutely. Um, I think, do you think that's a cause and effect on for the past 12 it's, months? It's actually something we've been fighting for. So mm. uh, as an FSB, what we do is we write a manifesto, mm. uh, which is just totally small business focused. Mm. Uh, one of them within there was uh, access to information. Mm. Uh, we did that even with Brexit and they only actually started to kick it out six weeks before we were due to leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But that was again where we were pestering. The issue we've got at this moment is everyone has a political hat on at the moment. Mm. So unfortunately, small businesses are at the bottom of that pecking order. Mm. I mean, uh, after uh, election changes, all differences, mm. uh, all bets are off, as they say. We've yeah. got a government, per se. Yeah. But it is one of the things we are fighting for. Mm. The, the legal and London hub is a fantastic source. Mm. But uh, HMRC would be my first port of call because, I mean, yeah. you'd be so surprised. I think it's £25,000 per director of a limited company. Mm. And you get that in the cash back right. as a rebate. So, so again, £50,000 for a partnership. Yeah. You could be well on your way to actually starting a business up very quickly. Yeah. And what about, what do you think, Johnny? I mean, do you think there's been some challenges that you might have experienced with other students, what they come across? Yeah, sure. I mean, well, I've been involved with this for probably four or five years mm -hmm. at, at the university and the college, and I've just seen a steady increase mm -hmm. in attendance. So I run Saturday workshops as part of the, the programme, yeah. and I would say attendance mm -hmm. has trebled over that time. So, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a mixture of demand from the students, but it's also having more resources being offered to them as well. So yeah. it's a kind of push and pull. And I think overall now the university's got something like over 20% self-employed yeah. um, statistics, which is one of the highest of any any university. Yeah. I think in terms of startups and kind of startup ethos, it's yeah. the, the University of the Arts and Royal College of Art, mm. which I'm pleased to I'm yeah. also involved with Royal College really. of Art, so that's great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, seriously, so I think it's two ways. I think yeah. there's more students getting demanding mm. and I think to a certain extent as well it's also the fact that it's so hard for students now to get jobs mm, exactly. you know so I mean it's 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 kind of needs not needs must but there's there's a lot it's of factors going in yeah. but I think what's also really exciting is that technology is helping mm. so it's now so much easier to to start up a business and mm -hmm. um, you know you've got platforms like Shopify you know mm -hmm. if you're if you're a maker to get your things out there mm -hmm. uh, and you know, there's the easy accounting systems, you've got your online accounting systems, the whole business uh, yeah. startup is, is, is so much easier. So much easier. And, and there's also a lot more resources, like from the Federation of Small Business, yes. you know, like university startup schemes. Yes. Um, so, yes, I think it's all those factors that help are at work. Together. Yeah. 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 Um, and from an outsider point of view, would you say that? what you were saying about HMRC, do you think that the government has um, improved in terms of making the whole kind of start-up process a little bit easier? Sure, I think... I or think do you, the think, fact that, or do you the, think there's a lot of red tape there? Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. As Rachel mentioned, we tend to be in, uh, spoken about in a high regard within government. One thing that I can say is they've grown in a number of partnerships with us. So you have the Small Business Saturday, which is actually government-focused, uh, that's actually been a fantastic success um, right across the year for the last 12 months. That was an initiative we put into place about 18 months ago uh, that we you know, recommended it. What we've now got is each council really working within itself, um, working in partnership not just with the FSB but the uh, Chamber of Commerce, the IOD, mm. because what they're trying to do and what they've recognised within those local councils is there is um, a knowledge gap mm. whereby people don't know what's available so I've done partnerships with 33 boroughs in London mm. and I have to say in the last 12 months it's gone up and up um, we're doing breakfast lunches or networking lunches buzzing breakfast uh, curry lunches pizza and wine <laughs> in the park uh, <laughs> master classes with Facebook <laughs> yeah. uh, Twitter I mean all of a sudden it's great to be around yeah. 
but what that is 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 there's a massive massive need for knowledge from everyone that's yeah. the most common denominator yeah. so when you look back at the government and the council they're actually representing quite well always we could do better yes you could always ask exactly. for more <laughs> exactly you know but yeah no. you give me an inch i'll take a mile that's it that's it <laughs> and it, but, it goes, uh, goes slightly off track a little bit here but a lot of the networking events that we hold mm. are for exactly that reason because you've got a broad range of experience mm. coming along you've got people that are stuck wanting to start up their own businesses and you've got ones that have run them for 30 40 years mm. and everybody shares their experiences mm. and just because someone's been there for 40 years doesn't mean they're necessarily most up to date yeah with what's going on but they also share the bits of where they failed yeah of course a lot of businesses fail yeah that's really but do you give up no so you need to learn from yeah. it and move on another key thing probably this is for you johnny is touching base on the additional support that UAL students have? Yeah, so, so there is a, a programme mm -hmm. um, which, which is the same for any business yes. really, starting around with the idea, yeah. help proving, testing the idea, mm -hmm. uh, and then to raise finance you've got to have some kind of business plan. Yeah. So that's the kind of support which is provided by the university in terms of explaining you know, what is a business plan. And yes. I think um, you know, part of the university's role, and, and certainly my role, is, is, is not to assume anything, really. You know, so, I mean, sometimes one needs to really start at basics, like what is an invoice? Yes. You know, um, there's no prior knowledge is assumed on any of the workshops that, that are organised by the university, so it's very much come along and there's no stupid question, yeah. you know. So, so that's so it's help with the idea, testing mm -hmm. the idea, and, and then writing the, the business plan. Um, but I, I think the key thing, though, I'm always keen to, to stress, though, is, you know, you've got to get started, yes. you know, all the business plans in the world, you know, mm. you've actually just got to get onto your market mm. um, and, you know, just get your Shopify account going and yes. start. That's what cracking on, yeah. So, I mean, I met um, uh, an entrepreneur at a street market at the weekend who was selling, you know, various fashion items out of recycled material. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I took a card found her Etsy site mm -hmm. and bought a, you know, well, I won't say what it was, well, but it was my, wife's, my wife's birthday <laughs> present, <laughs> job done. And no one's going to have the same same birthday <laughs> present yeah. because it's made out of odd bits of material. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's what I always find quite interesting with business now. It's a combination of old school and, mm. and, and new. So yeah. I met on the street market, yes. but then used the technology to, to, to connect, to as connect it were. So. But that's where I think it's very exciting for, for students uh, yeah. to, to start up. And the cost of getting a customer, which always used to be so high, is, mm. is now you know, a fraction of what it was. I mean, it's still noisy and all the rest of it, but you know, with Instagram, and yeah. you can just get it right and suddenly it'll, it'll take off, as take it were. Off. Yeah. So, you know, be that fashion or cosmetics or, or, or whatever. Yeah. They yeah. for. I think the most famous saying we ever had in the FSB is you don't know what you don't know. Yes. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Very true. As you said, as you mentioned, there is no silly question. Mm. If you don't know. Mm. You just don't know. Exactly. Know, that's really where the legal hub and the support line really comes into play. So how would you say um, does your business model dictate uh, sort of ways to focus your finance uh, sort of research? So kind of how would you evaluate what the best funding opportunities for you? Sure. So, um, I mean, for investors and indeed lenders, you know, the key question is what is what is the business model, and you know the key thing I think for earlier stage businesses try and pick a business model that is not as 
funding intensive, mm. so you can gradually build up, as it were. Mm. Um, you know, classic example: should you do services or products? Well, services don't require hardly any capital to start up, mm. and you can kind of then use your profits from your services to fund your products, if that makes mm. sense. So, so it's that that with that kind of thing. Um, and I think with this funding issue. There is a, a training need just to explain to people the difference between loan finance, mm-hmm. you know, like from a bank, you know, when you or like if you're borrowing money to buy a mobile phone where you've got interest and repayments, yeah. you're not selling any of your business, mm-hmm. as compared to equity finance, like mm-hmm. on Dragon's Den, where you've yes. got an investor coming in to, to buy some of your business. And I think there is, I mean, I, I, you know, notwithstanding that there are problems with, with banks, mm-hmm. but you know, banks have never historically been in the business of helping complete startups. You know, that's always been a difficult area for them because they make only a few percent, mm. uh, and the number of startups that don't succeed is is obviously huge. Mm. Now, having said that, you know, you've got government-backed schemes, government startup loan scheme, mm. uh, and some of the banks are coming in on the back of that, as it yeah. were. I mean, certainly, you know, that is one area up to sort of up to 25,000 that you can get. Mm. But the other thing is, I mean, especially in fashion, historically it's always been, 80% of the time, mm. it's always been friends and family, yeah. you know, who have been backing backing businesses. So mm. I, I think, you know, and then the other thing is, it, it's also, you can be sitting on a great idea, but people don't necessarily just get it. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the first companies I worked for was a video TV business. Our MD, who was a you know very credible person, I think he came runner-up to um, for the original Radio One DJ slot that Tony Blackburn won, I think. <laughs> and um, it took him nearly five years to sell the idea of this game show. Yeah. And the game show was Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Right. <laughs> so do you know what I mean? You, yeah. small things you, like that, yeah. You've got to be, you know, you've got to bear this in mind, in mind that yeah. it's, it is a. And, and you know even J.K. Rowling took mm. I don't know twenty five yeah. publishers. So yeah. it's it, it's not it's not easy. But I think yeah. if people a appreciate that you know there's a difference between loan finance and, and and equity finance, but also I'm I'm very keen that people don't you know a lot of enterprise training is is very much around writing a business plan, going mm. off and raising some money, um, and that's when your business is of course the cheapest. Mm. So you're going to end up sell, you know having to sell the most amount of your business for, for funding but but I mean as far as funding is concerned I mean this is where the technology is so exciting because of all these crowdfunding sites mm-hmm. that have come up now so a number of student businesses have used crowdfunding sites to raise money um, which is money f- advanced purchase of products so you're using sites like Kickstarter for example mm-hmm. um, so people put their money in up front you get all the money you then go and buy the material buy the elastic by the machine. Um, so London College of Fashion has a company called Lara Intimates. They raised £30,000. I put my 50 quid in what did I, uh, in April and then they, as I say, bought the material, they bought the elastic, they bought the, the sewing machine. And come September, they were shipping them out and you know, there was my, you know. Your wife's next birthday. My, my next birthday. <laughs> 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 that was one before last. But you know, that's super exciting model. I mean, you know, it's not free money. You need to have a third of the money from again from friends and family but um so those, those are all options now that work yeah. didn't exist in the past yeah and i guess things like competitions as well are a good kind of a good option yep and maybe much. thinking about aligning your sort of values and the sort of drivers of your business with 
your investors as well, like you said, to sort of really get that connection and get them to understand what mm -hmm. your business is about. It might sort of uh, really benefit you in that way as a startup. Yeah, I think I think people who haven't invested in fashion wouldn't invest in fashion mm -hmm. because it is, you know, it is a special. It is it is it is it is risky. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's very much a serial result. You'll either have a fantastic success or. Well, you won't, but I mean, it's interesting you say that. I mean, especially on the sustainable front, you know, a lot of students are coming up with, with sustainable business ideas, either in terms of materials or, or sharing platforms, uh, you know, or renting type platforms. And, and, and those will then will open up access to kind of sustainable type uh, funding sources. Yeah, yeah that's the, very true. There's a lot of, um, like I think you mentioned awards, Mm -hmm. um, and especially in London, each of the boroughs do Mayor of, say, Lewisham mm -hmm. Business Awards, and a lot of them are aligned with those things like sustainability and yeah. um, startups. Yeah, um, I mean we run which, it here as well. As yeah, we but it is, it's one of those. The more challenge. you, the more they go for, the more they get their name out there. And even FSB have small business awards, mm -hmm. um, but it really can launch businesses a lot further than mm. they would imagine. Yeah. I think the big thing to remember when you're doing funding though is really when you're putting everything into place, what is it you actually need? Is it the equipment? Is it the corporation fee? You know, what, what office space, inventory, marketing? And not to go too top heavy. Don't go in there with a massive budget uh, that you're hoping investors are going to buy off, mm. uh, and then you get it put together and you go to market, and it doesn't sell as quickly as you did, and you're left with this massive debt that you're looking to pay off. Mm. So predominantly, there is obviously you've got the corporation or the competitive funding, which is family predominantly, uh, which is first port of call generally, friends and family. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire mm. all over? Um, <laughs> but the next one is obviously looking at investment, crowdfunding. Um, we're seeing the market grow into that very big. Mm. Um, the only down point in crowdfunding is that it's a lot of legwork. Mm. Um, the, 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 the lower the pyramid you go, the more you have to really put the input in, mm. keep people updated, make sure that you, what we would call, have a good operating rhythm. Mm. Because the last thing you want to do is go into this crowdfunding with a number of different people out there and maybe have three or four of them starting to lose interest because they're not getting updated or they don't know what's happening or they don't see the picture of it being ready because yeah. sometimes you know what it is that passion mm. you know people buy passion and people buy people so when you're looking at fashion you're looking at cosmetics you're looking at stuff that is going to be beauty on the eye mm. and then that's where your instagrams and, and you know your facebook and your linkedin and mm. all the marketing really comes to the fore mm. so i think that's where you know similar to ourselves that's where you've got to look at an organization that says all right who, who's going to actually keep giving me that help yeah. it's great that, to see that you know you guys have already obviously got it in the house what we it's nice to see that what we basically do complements what you do because we just try and help them from there on yeah. until they're up and running it's a there, there is no lifespan of a, of a membership yeah. uh, we've, we've got members that have been with us for 30 40 years uh, we've actually got a lady funny enough from uh, the Brent area uh, 
from a very very famous uh, uh, curry shop on Halston High Street nice. um, and you know we have a range of all these you know cost effective things and she didn't need any of them and we have all this legal support and she didn't need that either and all she actually needed was not have to uh, disinfect her shop every Thursday morning right. and that was because the binmen would throw the bins in front of her curry shop so that was her one gripe her one thing that guess what the council weren't listening to she said if you can help me with that mm. i'll be a member for life mm. uh, it took us about three weeks mm. and bids don't go there and we've got a member for life for the simple fact that we helped her so it could be the smallest and simplest of things whether it's a case that your local council aren't listening or you need mm. a bit of support mm. or it's actually as we've just mentioning now looking at funding looking at setting up a business plan uh, looking at what aspects are out there what opportunities and that's where we we actually offer a business consultancy whereby we would sit down, we'd review where you're at, we'd review where your desire is to be, and then we really try and help you get there. It's an interesting point, you, you mentioned crowdfunding, just to sort of take that on and back to sort of source of funding. I mean, crowdfunding is not just for equity finance. You know, you know, as I mentioned, you know, you can get advanced purchase of your products through sites like Kickstarter. But then there are also crowdfunding sites that provide loans, Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are also crowdfunding sites that provide what's called invoice discounting, invoice finance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, say if part of your business model is to go through um, wholesale, you know, you could be taking 30, not 30 days, not 60, kind of 90 days to be paid potentially. Mm-hmm. So you can go to finance organisations that will provide finance against your invoice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are now... Um, reducing not necessarily that criteria, but but how long you've you've got to be in in trading for, for mm-hmm. example. So, uh, market invoice. I think they've just changed their names to market finance. Yes. You know, you can be trading for a comparatively short period of time mm-hmm. um, before you'll be eligible for that criteria to get invoice finance. So, it always used to be thought to, it was a bit of a kind of grubby area invoice <laughs> finance if you couldn't get an overdraft. But banks aren't easily providing overdrafts now because they have their own problems they've got regulations that require them to set aside a lot more capital Um, but so there are so again it's back to technologies helping out companies like as I said there's a couple of sites Kickstarter and Indiegogo yeah which are very very prominent in the crowdfunding yeah Um, so those are on advanced purchase of products yes Yeah, so this is just, instead of getting a, a, right. lo- a loan, you would go to fund someone like Funding Circle, for example. You've got to be two years with Funding Circle. I think some of the banks are actually now steering smaller customers towards these, well, they've done tie-ups with them. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I think that invoice invoice discounting is something to sort of think about. I mean, that's mm. maybe a step on, you know, that's mm. probably yeah. as you're kind of, you've proven, you're, you've got your initial business model, mm. you're up mm-hmm. to sort of nearly maybe 100,000 turnover. You know, so so that that's that would be another avenue yeah, yeah. To, to, to look at. Yeah. If we're sort of looking at sort of the crowdfunding, sort of the Kickstarter kind of concepts of funding, what would you say would be the key things in that you should sort of include in terms of your sort of pitching around that? I don't know, knowing your market, demonstrating your knowledge, sort of strategies around the sort of pitching element, and um, to get that attract that sort of funding in that kind of environment. Yeah, so, I mean, there is a sort of vetting process to go get onto a, a crowdfunding site. And because it's now grown so much, there are people who now help you with your crowdfunding mm. pitch, if that makes sense. Mm. 
so they would then help you you know with not just the numbers but the presentation and all that all that kind of thing yeah. but I mean at the end of the day it's not it's not rocket science you know yeah. if, if we're looking at equity crowdfunding you know it's all about telling the story mm-hmm. um, you've got to have something which is different you know you've got to have a USP uh, and investors want to see that you are able to deliver it you know mm-hmm. it's, can you can you execute it so I would say one of the best kept secrets about raising money is having a boring business well <laughs> being boringly well organized so you know if you've got your cash flow yeah. you know you've got your management accounts you've got your online accounting system you know your QuickBooks or your Xero you know and you've got your legals you know then then you're 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 ahead of the game really yeah. you know so you're, yeah. you're standing standing out absolutely and that's what kind of brings us on quite nicely into looking at sort of the um, sort of costing and if you were to sort of go ahead with uh, say a financial contract of some kind what would be the kind of key things that you need to think about in terms of sort of terms and conditions before you might sign certain financial contract. It was a very interesting question, I think, uh, Lane, what, what you raised there as well, you know, in terms of stuff to look out for on the financials. And, you know, certainly what my big thing is with people is, is to make sh- sure that they take responsibility for it. Do you know what I mean? So these financial contracts, mm. it might seem very charming people offering them, but, you know, there's stuff in there that can cause a lot of problems. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, on loans, you know, and I, I notice a lot of the sort of bank marketing is 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 that these are uh, unsecured loans, um, and then in the small print, but there's a personal guarantee. You know, so they're not taking a security on the business, obviously, because the business is early stage, hasn't got much there. But they're giving, and and indeed, even the, the government startup loan scheme, you can be trading as a limited company with some element of protection. Um, but the loan goes into your personal bank account. Mm. So, you know, you're personally liable for that, yeah. that loan. So you need to be aware of that. And it's, it's just having the confidence to trust your guts, really. If, mm. if it feels, if a financial proposal feels too good, uh, then it probably is too good. And, yeah. and you've got to be prepared to go through line by line to make sure you understand it. And, um, you know, if you, you know, it's, it's difficult because, you know, obviously if you then get a lawyer involved, there's a lot of, lot of money involved and a lot of costs yeah. in that so I mean I think I think I mean I actually use it quite a lot I mean there are sites like Upwork which are really good here back to technology you know so yeah. Upwork's a bit like people per hour okay. and you can find somebody who's a lawyer you know just get them to sort of talk you through it again technology using zoom yeah you yeah, know absolutely. get get the document up and you'll pay somebody 20 pounds an hour as opposed to 120 pounds an hour or 200 pounds an hour yeah well this, this is what, yeah. what i was going to say i mean the, the the idea the concept of the fsb is exactly that so you have you know legal support online uh, regardless of the business issue mm-hmm. so if it is a mention of a, of a contract mm-hmm. of agreement you can actually get it looked at mm-hmm without having a, a, a very extortionate hourly fee to pay someone. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I come across a lot of the time, whether I'm speaking to startups or existing mm. businesses, is when they're talking about contracts, they automatically think, right, okay, I'll send it to a solicitor to read. Mm. But the problem is, if you do that, you don't understand what you're signing. Mm. So you never know if someone's breaking your contract or actually what you've agreed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course it is taking, I think like we mentioned already, ownership of what you're signing, yeah, reading absolutely. it, and then if you get stuck and don't quite know, then calling for help, whether it's from FSB or 
one yeah. of the other areas. And then on the equity side, you know, if someone's going to invest in your business, mm. you know, you definitely need a shareholders agreement, mm. um, which sets out your rights, their rights, mm. and that's where you again, you know, you will need some legal advice to understand what some of these terms mm. are, as it were. So, yeah. and in terms of sort of, if you're thinking about the value of your business. How do you sort of go about thinking about what is the value of my business? What might be some of the kind of pitfalls uh, when you might be costing up? In terms of pricing? Yeah. In terms of pricing. Well, um, I can tell you basically 80% of businesses don't charge enough. Okay. You know, um, to use an example, my wife, who is a member of the FSB. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and she's got a gardening business, but basically... For years, I told her to charge more, okay. <laughs> and um, she reached the VAT threshold, so she then had to charge VAT, which is another 20%. And I use this story in all my workshops, not to diss my wife, because she's <laughs> a very, very skilled gardener, but just as it's a fantastic business case study, basically her prices went up 20%. How many customers stopped using her? None. Yeah, so... So, yeah, so basically most businesses don't, don't charge enough. Yeah. But in terms of actually the calculations, what, what people tend to forget is allowing for overheads. You know, so in other words, they think to themselves, well, I want to be paid this per hour. Yeah. And they don't take into account the fact they've got a little studio or the website, you know, or the marketing bill or the travel and all the rest of it. So you've got to add up all those what I call overheads, so that the housekeeping costs of a business, if you will. And then it's not a question of dividing that by 40 hours a week because you're not working on client stuff 40 hours a week. You know, you've got all the admin and the selling and stuff like that. You're probably only doing 25 or something, I don't know. But you're not doing as much client face, client work as you might imagine. So then you've got to divide your overheads by that lower number of hours. Mm. And that's what people forget to, to include. Leading on to that point, how can one person value forecast the future well, and forecast the value of even at right. even the startup okay. well, it, it, it's basically like any other asset mm. it's a supply and demand right okay so shares in companies are like anything else like houses or cars mm. it's supply and demand that's mm. what drives the price and at the moment with crowdfunding um, the price of smaller companies has gone up because mm. there's a whole heap more money available to invest in it mm. and there's a sort of social component there's a tribe component to mm. the to the whole bit but ba basically you know people are getting nothing in terms of keeping money in the bank mm. so they're looking at these crowdfunding opportunities so you know I'm sure you might have heard of um, Brewdog mm. for example well that raised you know money at valuation the value is it more than the mm. world's mm -hmm. best pub chain spoons Spoons. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, you've got companies like Blue Bella, the lingerie business. I mean, they raised over a million pounds. Mm. I mean, it's a fantastically well-run business. Mm. But you know, they, that historically they'd have never have got a million pounds for the, for the percentage that they they sold in the business. But historically, you know, those kind of valuations you'd never have never have got. So. Mm. And that's why I think Dragon's Dead is, is struggling a bit because yeah. because they've got to compete. You know, the people are kind of almost going on Dragon's Den to get the, the exposure. That's yes. it. And then they're going back to crowdfunding. Funding. And, 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 and actually getting the funding they need. But it is, it's, 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 
it's going back to a business model and a business plan and yeah. all right where do you see this business in five years yes. um, it's looking at the pitfalls make sure you look at your competitors make mm. sure you know your marketplace mm. making sure that, that way you're keeping yourself mm. you're pricing yourself in right. not out of market right. uh, and out of pocket mm. um, yeah so thinking through you mentioned earlier uh, Rajan about the sort of getting the model right um, if we would sort of look at, um, for example, a franchise model, mm-hmm. um, could you just sort of give us an outline of sort of what does it mean to franchise your business? Sure. So um, if, I, if I mention what we do, uh, or my experience with franchises, actually dealing with franchisees. Mm-hmm. Um, franchise essence is having a blueprint, um, having the marketing and, and all the support per se, to be able to open a store, so whether it's a McDonald's, a Costa, or you're trying to franchise yourself, what it's there to do, uh, in essence, is try to replicate something that works. When you're taking on a franchise, you're taking on a debt as well. You're taking on, because you're going to have to pay them a percentage of everything you take through. Um, what you, My biggest advice and what we found, because we deal with so many franchisees, really start need to check uh, going back to our, our previous comment take get some legal assistance on this mm-hmm. because what you tend to find is that the franchise will support you to a certain degree mm-hmm. their le- le- legal obligation is actually to make sure they're protected not you mm-hmm. so you have a little bit of protection but when that person has fallen over in your store uh, it wasn't a cost of cup that he fell over or whatever mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's your problem and not theirs so it's really looking at the angle of if you're going into a franchise operation really get it checked out really find out where where that limit lies where is it your problem and not theirs um, because that's the rudest awakening that i've ever had uh, we've got a costa coffee uh, member who really only recently came on mm. he's got 16 costa coffees across london um, if I could tell you that he's paid in excess of £100,000 in uh, legal fees in the last 12 months, going with tribunals, going with issues with councils, all over the place. Something like the FSB, as he's taken on now, is going to alleviate that because he didn't realise where he wasn't covered. Right. What we were able to do is actually highlight to him, all right, this is what the franchise model does. Mm. And in essence, guess what? It's not there so that Costa's not going to make money. It means they're going to make money and they're going to keep their branding. Mm. So it's how you're going to be able to protect yourself within a contract of, of uh, agreement like that. What's your sort of insights into, it's particularly relating perhaps to a, a business startup? Yes, well, I mean, I think what you're also suggesting that people want to franchise their business yeah. as a way of growing it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, some companies have come unstuck franchising because you obviously lose some management control, mm-hmm. and it only really works in certain kind of service food type. But I mean, that's where you mainly yeah. see it: consultancy yeah. service type type situation. I, I mean, I think you you've got to. I think it's the National Federation of Franchising, which you've got to kind of ideally would join and they would vet your your business plan. Yeah, I mean, you always see, you know, gr- you know garden, lawn care franchises and there's the franchise. I mean, I think the thing is, if you're thinking of that, you know, first step, probably go to sort of, there's a franchise expo. I mean, I always recommend people go to trade board, trade shows you know yeah. for their industry because yeah. you know if you're in food go to food and fashion go to fashion trade shows because mm-hmm. you can learn an 
huge amount talking mm. to people. Um, but I think the model typically is these franchises are sold for kind of about 20 grand, 30 grand or something. Mm. Um, but you've got to have something that's sufficiently profitable for the buyer of your franchise to make some money and you to make some money out yeah, of them, as of it were. Mm. So it only works really in certain models. I mean, if I had to use a prime example myself, is just dealing with the franchisee partners when you have fashion brands having their um, international stores overseas, but they can't. Obviously, they have to join as a business um, venture with the franchisee partner in the country. Yes. So, for example, if we use the Middle East as an example, uh-huh. you would have, um, we'll use Arcadia Group Topshop. Topshop would have an exclusive business relationship with um, MHL Shire, which is based in Kuwait. Yeah. Um, so, MHL Shire as a franchisee partner would roll out 300 stores across the Middle East. But they obviously have a profit and a cut of its turnover yes. for them versus Topshop has their cut as well. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right, the key thing is looking at that agreement contract that if anything happens in a Topshop store in the Middle East, who is liable for those issues? Exactly. Is it MHL Shire or is it Topshop in the UK because it's their branding that's yes. out there? So I think that's the key thing is it's just identifying the agreement that you've got, who t- the yeah. liabilities in place. Absolutely, and, and it's like, as yeah. you said, the contract or the support. The, yes. What is it they're going to give you? Are they going to yeah. give you contracts of employment? Are they going to give you all the contracts you need for your window cleaner, mm. your the, the washer? You know, mm. are you going to get all of that, or mm. you're going to have to go out and find that as yeah. well? Yeah. And they'll give you this much. So it's just really understanding. Yeah, it's a great concept. Fantastic. Yeah. Let's look at this little blueprint and little prints and what is it that I have to do? Mm. What do I have to come up with? What Mm. are they not going to do? Because that's that, as you mentioned, that's your pitfall. Mm. That's where you're like, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess that goes back to what you were talking about, Rachel, when you said making sure that you do read your legal agreements yourself. Exactly. So you yourself as the business owner, yes. And what you have made other people sign. I think, yeah, that's key from what everyone's spoken about today. Really, if you're not sure about something, there will be somebody that will have that knowledge and that insight that will be able to help you. So always sort of reach out um, and find help to support you. Is there sort of anything that you want to leave us with, any particular insights or anything we've touched on that you haven't kind of spoken about? Um, I think if you're not sure, go and find it. Mm. Uh, the Google is everyone's best friend at this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you take that out, we've all got a friend or a friend or a cousin or an uncle or an aunt mm-hmm. that has something to do with legal. Mm-hmm. Let's get it looked at. Mm-hmm. If you're going into something, bear in mind that these are some of the biggest decisions of your life. It used to be buying a house, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now it's what you're going to do with the rest of your life. So, you know, be wise, take advice. I mean, FSB are there for support for sure, but, you know, the marketplace is huge out there. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, grab your dreams, believe in your dreams, and just get support to fulfill them. I, I think along the same lines, but it's also just crucial to start. You know, I mean, you just got to get out there and start. Don't try and make your product perfect. Mm-hmm. Just get something out there as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Because again, back to the internet and technology, the only certainty is someone else is thinking about your idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get it out there as quick as possible, uh, and then take it from there. And I would say, don't give up. Make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We learn from them. Um, so it doesn't matter, obviously there's got to be a caveat to that at some mm-hmm. point if you keep making mistakes then maybe you can change industry, <laughs> um, but it is one of those that mm-hmm. it is okay to make mistakes. 
as long as you learn from them. Thank you very much. Thank you. On that note, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. Thanks for your opportunity.